0: in uh, chapter 9 of our study of the book of 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Johnny, for reading that portion of scripture. Uh, I hope all of you are paying careful attention to the reading of God's holy word, and I pray that you would sit with a prayerful heart. Uh, Let me say at the beginning that uh, I can be easily misunderstood today for what I say uh, because of my profession and because of what the passage actually talks about. If you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. So I pray that each of you would not misunderstand, but that each of us would understand the light of what Apostle Paul is trying to teach here when he talks to the believers at the church at Corinth. Before I begin, I just want to share an illustration. I'm sure this is something that you've already heard. Uh, Three friends from three different churches uh, once met together for lunch. Uh, Three friends from three different churches, and when they got together and as they were having a meal and as they were conversing, they were talking about how they do stuff in their church. And this topic about collecting offering came up. And Each of them were showing off and talking to each other as to how their particular church would collect the offering and use that offering for the Lord. So one of the, one of the guys, the first guy, he said, you know what we do? We do basically at the end of our church service, we get up, we clear the chairs, and then we draw a huge circle on the ground. And then we all collect our money and we throw it up into the air. Whatever falls inside the circle, we give unto God. Whatever falls outside the circle, we take it back. So the second guy said, you know what we do in our church? We do the exact same thing. You know, after a church service gets over, we move the chairs and we draw a small circle, not a big one. And then we all collect our money and we throw it into the air. Whatever falls outside the circle, we give unto God. Whatever falls inside the circle, we take it back. Naturally, there's always a third guy in the story. And he said, you know what we do in our church? We clear the chair, we draw a huge circle, and we all take our money and we throw it into the air. Whatever goes up, we give to God. Whatever comes down, we take it back. If you look at 1 Corinthians and chapter 8, what we had studied a couple of weeks back, pay attention carefully, we studied about food that was offered to idols. I hope you remember that. Food that was offered to idols. You look at chapter 8 and verse 13. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. The topic in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 was in regards to food offered to idols. And we had studied as to how a believer must treat food offered to idols. Last time we studied together 1 Corinthians, we looked at chapter 10 and look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. We saw as to how or should a brother be involved in the pagan sacrifices? Should a brother or a sister from the church at the same time also be involved in pagan worship? And today we are at chapter 9. And in chapter 9, Apostle Paul talks about his apostleship. Apostle Paul is talking to the believers and he is proving his apostleship to them. Now why is he doing so? Because many people questioned it. Many people questioned the apostleship of the great Apostle Paul. Many people questioned his call for ministry. Not only that, some even accused him... Of being involved in ministry, saying that he was motivated only by money, many people accused him and said that you were in full time, you preached the Word of God, you taught the word of God, you, you build churches, you planted churches because you are motivated by financial gain. and that 's what he 's talking about in First Corinthians and chapter nine. Now listen very carefully to me. If you turn to second Corinthians. And if you look at chapters 10 to 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to 13, Apostle Paul gives an elaborate defense of his ministry. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to 13, he talks about an elaborate defense of his ministry. I am an apostle. Why is he an apostle? He gives an elaborate defense of his full time ministry. But in chapter 9, the bone of contentment is in regards to the topic of material support. I hope, you try, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. That's the topic that he deals with in chapter 9. Because in chapter 9, he's talking about how a full-time worker needs to be supported by the church. So just to make a clear understanding of that, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17, look at what the word of God says. 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Why does he say that? Because there are indeed so many full time workers who peddle the word of God for profit. There are full-time workers, who, pe- who preach the word of God, just for financial gain. And there are so many servants of the Lord, who have spoiled their name as a result of that. There has been a lot of misunderstanding among believers, not only at the time at Corinth, but even today, there are so many believers who say, because of which, we must not support full-time workers. And there is a lot of misunderstanding, that is the reason why Apostle Paul, in chapter 9, talks about the fact that a full-time worker needs to be supported by the church. Now, look at how he begins this chapter. It's beautiful. Okay, In chapter 9 and verses 1, there are some questions that he's asking. There are basically four rhetorical questions. What I mean is that he's not looking for an answer because the question answers itself. And look at the four questions that he's saying in chapter 9 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1. Number 1, he says, Am I not free? We spoke about that already in chapter 8 and 10. All born-again believers have the freedom in Christ. And he's asking the same question here. He's saying, am I not free? Don't I have the freedom to do whatever I want to do? You look at the second question. He says, am I not an apostle? We know that the word apostle means one who is sent by God. Listen carefully to me. And he says, am I not one who is sent by God? And if anyone were to ask Apostle Paul, how did you become an apostle? Look at the third question. He says, how did I become an apostle? He says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? You remember the Damascus scene? You remember you know, how he was so full of pride and he had this letter of commendation that told him that he could do whatever he wanted? You remember how that blazing sun put him onto his knees? Where so much so, the Yahweh of the Old Testament came before him and he said, Who are you, Lord? And he's asking that question. He's saying, Do you doubt that I'm an apostle? Haven't I told you about how the Lord appeared to me in Damascus? And haven't I seen the Lord, he says. Haven't I seen the Lord? You know, I want to pause here for a minute because this is the same line that the disciples have also said about their experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? The disciples said, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have even touched, this we declare to you, we declare the glory of God. The same testimony is said by Apostle Paul as well. You know, I want to pause and I want to expand that verse for a minute. You know, the disciples said, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched and experienced, we declare to you today the glory of God. How many of us sitting here today have experienced the glory of God? How many of us sitting here today can say, I am a personal child of the Lord Jesus Christ, because once I lived in darkness, but today my eyes are opened. I have seen, I have read the word of God, I have experienced the work of the Holy Spirit, and the glory of God that was revealed, I declare to every single people person that is there in this world. How many of us can talk about the glory of God through our Christian life? And then the fourth question that he's asking is that, what is the result of his apostleship? The fourth question he asks in verses 1 is saying, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Are you not the work, uh, my, the result of my work in the Lord? As a result of the glory of God that was revealed to me and it changed my life, as a result of the glory of God that I have shared with each and every one of you, have you not, the, have you not heard the gospel from me? And are you not the result of my work? Have I not spent time sharing the gospel, teaching the word, discipling you, growing you in the Lord Jesus Christ, establishing a church? And is there a problem, he says, that I reap material blessings from those in whose life I have invested spiritually? So you can understand the emotion that Apostle Paul is going through when he talks to his own spiritual children, right? Talking to the people in whose life he has invested. To the people that he has taught the word. And he says, don't you know the benefits that you have reaped because of my ministry in the Lord? Why is it that you have to second guess or think as to the fact that I, as a full-time worker, need to be supported by you? Is what he talks about in chapter 9. So what do you think, brothers and sisters? Do you think a minister of the Lord needs to be supported by the church? Do you think that a minister of the Lord has any rights? That's what he talks about in verses 2 to 6. He says, Is it only the rights enjoyed by certain people? Can't we do the same? Can't we eat anything that we want to eat? Go the way we want to go? No. Is it like that? Is it that the servants of the Lord have been depraved of any rights? That only born again believers have such rights? Is it that the servant of the Lord How is it that the servant of the Lord should earn his livelihood? How should the, how, how should the church support? a full-time worker? And how is it that you and I play a role in that great support? Now, before we go forward, one thing that I want to say, I praise God for this, is that we have more than four or five full-time workers in Calvary Bible Fellowship. And I praise God that each and every full-time worker is supported by the church. Praise the Lord. Louder. All of our full-time workers are supported by the church. Financially. So my work is done here. So I want to take this time and I want to say thank you for supporting us, those of us who are in full-time. Now you must be wondering, how do you support us? You know the offering that you put into the bag and the money that is being collected week on week? Well, there are abled and wise men here who use that money not only to support the full-time workers in this assembly, but also the full-time workers that are there in and around India. And there are so many people who are being supported by the offering that you put every Sunday in church. And that is a great thing. I acknowledge that as a testimony before the living God. But do we faithfully give unto the Lord for his ministry? Are there Sundays that we come unprepared to put the offering And we just put our hands into our pocket or into our wallet. And then we look around for some loose change. That's not the giving that the Lord wants us to give. We need to prepare. Not only for worship. Not only to participate of the table. But I want to tell you from this passage. We need to prepare and open our hearts to give unto the Lord. That is not just a casual action that you and I need to be involved in. Yes, it is true that all the full-time workers in Calvary Bible Fellowship is supported, but what about other missions? What about other servants of the Lord that we know are struggling? Do we support them? Do we open our purse? Do we help out those that are in need? Or do we just rather put the money and say, let the church do whatever it needs to do with their money? No, that should not be our attitude. But you and I need to be careful with the money because who gave us this money? Wow, let's try that out again. We should be careful with this money because who gave us this money? God gave us this money. And of course we need to use it for our own need but there is a portion that needs to go back to God. And you and I need to be very careful about that. How do we give unto the Lord, my brothers and sisters? How do we set apart the money that the Lord has given to us? The pocket money that our parents send to us during our study here in college. The money that we get... When, when we work and for all of us full time workers as well it doesn't mean we sit and get everything from everyone we also need to give so as a church as a whole as Calvary Bible fellowship what do we do how do we give unto the Lord Now, like I said, I thank and praise God that all our full-time workers are being supported here. And today, from chapter 9, my objective is for us to study from Scripture that what CBF is doing is absolutely scriptural. What CBF does in supporting the full-time workers is absolutely found in Scripture. And we are going to study as to how Apostle Paul teaches that every servant of God, every minister of God, has the right to be supported financially by the church but what is the role that you and i need to play is what we need to look at now if you look at first corinthians chapter 9 verses 7 to 14 apostle paul gives a lot of examples a lot of examples as to why he believes a full-time worker needs to be supported by the church listen to me carefully chapter 9 verses 7 to 14 why a full-time worker needs to be supported by the church completely let's look at those examples number one Principle number 1 is in verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? You look at the example that Apostle Paul gives from everyday life. You look at the soldiers who serve our country, India. Can you tell me loudly who pays for their expense? Who pays for their expense? The government pays for their expense. A soldier is someone who dedicates his life to protect his own country. And when he protects his own country, he desires that his needs are met by those that he protects. Can you imagine a soldier who wants to go fight for the country and then he's expecting to pay everything from his pocket? No. Because that's even something that the world does. It supports the soldier. You look at the second example, it's talking about the one who plants the vineyard. The one who plants the vineyard does not feel that it's wrong to eat of its fruit. And the third example is the example of the farmer. The farmer who tends to his flock has complete right to the milk that has been produced. Like for example, just think if I had chickens at home. Is it wrong for me to eat or enjoy the eggs that my chickens lay? I have three, by the way, at home. Is there anything wrong in that? No. A soldier who serves in the army, who fights the war, a guy who has a vineyard and a farmer. All of these people have the rights to enjoy their produce. And you know what? One of the commentaries that I read explained this verse 7 so beautifully. He talks about the soldier fighting a war. He talks about the vineyard, the one who takes care of the vineyard and the one who is who, a farmer. And he says, it's talking about an apostle who's going on a warfare as a soldier. Who's fighting the battle. And this apostle, this minister of the word, he fights his battle against the whole world. He fights his battle against the, un, un, uh, the, uh, against the evil things of the world. He preaches the word of God and he fights against those that are spiritually dull. And when he fights his life as a soldier, and when he shares the gospel, it's like those who receive the gospel, it's like he planting a vineyard. And when he plants a vineyard, he becomes like a farmer taking care of the, the flock. And then Apostle Paul, he says, all of these labors need to be supported and rewarded. There's absolutely nothing wrong in an army person who says, because I am willing to give my life, those that I give my life for should take care of my needs. There's nothing wrong in a vineyard person saying that there's nothing wrong for me to enjoy the benefits of that fruit. For a person who takes care of his flock to enjoy the benefits that come from his flock. Look at the example that Apostle Paul gives from everyday life. Number two, look at verses 8 to 10. He gives an example from the Old Testament. Verse 8 to 10. Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about the ox that God is concerned Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. You must not muscle an ox when it is threshing the floor. And this is a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 4. And if you read Deuteronomy chapter 25, that passage has nothing to talk about ministerial support. That passage does not talk anything about the servants of the Lord. But Apostle Paul uses this verse to clearly teach that even the law permits the ox to eat the grain that it threshes. It says, You shall not muscle, you shall not put a cover on the mouth of an ox while it is threshing your grain. If he is using his life, his body, his strength to thresh the grain, the ox has the complete right to eat of the grain that has fallen on the ground. That is what the law teaches, Apostle Paul says. And he says, if the Lord does so, then what about you and me? Very interesting, okay, if you turn to First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17 and 18. You look at that verse, First Timothy chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18. 1st Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17 and 18. You see the same verse appears over there. It says, you must not muscle an ox. But well, very interesting, verses 17 and 18 is talking in relation to elders. And you look at that particular word that Apostle Paul uses over there. He says, to those who work hard and at preaching and teaching. To those who work hard at preaching and teaching. They are worthy of double honor. And double honor here, I believe, does not mean that we call them occasionally in the front and clap our hands to them. No. But it means that our elders, those who preach and teach, those who work hard, must be taken care of. All of their needs must be taken care of by the church. And interesting how he talks about that in relation to our elders. And he says that they deserve the double honor more than everybody else. And he teaches that ministers of the word need to be paid adequately. We saw an example from an everyday life. We saw an example that comes from the Old Testament. Let's look at the third one, verses 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 11. Look at what he says. That He says, If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If we have sown spiritual seeds among you, If we are the ministers of the word who preach the word of God, who are involved in the activities of the church, is it too much for us to reap the material blessings from? You know, material support needs to be given to those who are involved in spiritual activities. There are some who think that spiritual work needs to be blessed by spiritual blessings. But that is not the teaching in scriptures. Apostle Paul has invested in the life of the Corinth believers. And Apostle Paul is telling them, is it too much? For me to receive material blessings from you. You know the word too much in the original Greek language actually says, actually means unfair. So you read verses 11, Apostle Paul says, As I have sown spiritual seeds among you, is it unfair for me to desire the material blessings that ought to come from believers? Is it unfair for any servant of God to be supported by the church? That's something that you and I actually need to think of. Look at what he says in verses 12. He gives examples from other Christian leaders. Verse 12, if others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. You know, you read chapter 1, you read chapter 3. You remember that passage where Apostle Paul says some of you say they want to follow Peter? Remember? Some of you say you want to follow Apollos? Yes or no? You know, so there is evidence that not only Paul, but Peter and Apollos also ministered to the church at Corinth. It is very evidently proven from scripture that probably Peter and Apollos, both of them visited the the Corinth church. And you look at verses 12, he's saying, if others have received the right of support, which means he's telling the believers, if you have supported Peter... If you have supported Apollos, don't I have the right? Because I was the one who gave the spiritual birth to this church. If you can support Apostle Peter, if you can support Apollos when they came and preached the word of God, then what about me? Because I was the one who laid the foundation of the church. I was the one who preached the gospel to you. I was the one who taught you the word of God. And every believer needs to learn to support the workers or the ministers of the word. The ministers of the word. Look at the next example that he gives in verse 13. Now, this is very interesting. Verse 13, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? It's very interesting as to why Apostle Paul uses this word. You look at the two phrases that he uses there. Don't you know that those who are in the temple, those you, those, and those who serve at the altar... Remember in chapter 8 and 10 we spoke about pagan worship? Remember how we spoke about the fact that the believers used to frequently go for these p- pagan worships? And that's why Apostle Paul uses these words. Remember how when you used to go to the temple... Don't you notice that those who serve in that temple also get their material blessings from the people there? You see how he gives them a slap on their face? When he says, you're not supposed to go to the temple, but remember all the times that you've gone there, even the people who serve in the temple are also being supported by the people there. Interesting how he talks about that, right? Since the believers frequented the temple, they would be aware that those who serve in the temple how they were treated and how their needs were actually taken care of. You come to Numbers chapter 18 and God talks about the Levites. You remember the Levites? And how God specifically taught how the needs of the Levites needed to be taken care of. And you look at what Apostle Paul says in verse 13. He says, if those under the law were supported by the people at that time, If those under the law were supported by the people at that time, then shouldn't those who serve under grace today also be supported? And that's what he uses the example of the temple here. If those who were under the law knew that the law taught them that the Levites needed to be supported by them, then today the ministers who serve under the period of grace, believers who live under the period of grace, shouldn't those who minister for the word Also be supported by them. And number six, look at verses 14. Look at the next principle that he gives. He says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. One of the most important reasons as to why Apostle Paul believes that the ministers of the word needs to be supported by the church is the great example of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the Lord Jesus gave this principle in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, verses 9 to 10. And even in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verses 7. Let's just look at that verse. Luke chapter 10 and verses 7. Luke chapter 10 and verses 7. Hey, look at what he says there. Luke chapter 10 and verse 7. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you know, God, when the Lord Jesus Christ himself sent out the 72, he said, don't make any special preparations. Don't prepare anything for the journey. Don't take an extra clothes to the clothes that you already have. You know why? Because to the place that I sent you, I will prepare my people to take care of your needs. And he tells the workers of the Lord, in whose house ever you stay, eat whatever they give you. But what if believers today are not willing to open their house? What if believers today are not willing to open their purse? What if believers today are only satisfied with the offering that they put? What if believers today are not willing to help out the servants of the Lord? To give out, to keep aside the sum that the Lord has given to them, be it big or small. And what if we are not willing to use that money for the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you think the Lord will help the servants of the Lord if the Lord's people themselves are not willing to help the servants of the Lord? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about all the ministers of the world that are there in and around the world. Maybe we might not be aware of those who might be struggling. Why don't you come and talk to some of us? There are some of you who have come and spoken and I praise God for the desire that He's put in your heart. But what about all of us? Can we set aside our money Can we set aside our material blessings? And can we prayerfully give it to missions? Can we prayerfully give it to the servants of the Lord? Can we prayerfully give it to those that we know that are in need? Can we walk up to somebody and ask them to let us know of those that are in need? Do we prepare our hearts on a Sunday to come and offer the material blessings that the Lord has given to me? Or do we casually do so? with an attitude that is not pleasing unto the Lord. You and I need to be very careful as to how we give unto the Lord. So we saw six principles as to why Apostle Paul believes that the ministers of the, of the, of the word needs to be supported by the church. He talks about a day, an example from everyday life. The soldier, the vineyard, the, the, the farmer. He talks about the example from the Old Testament as to how the ox had the right to eat the grain. Therefore, those who preach the word of God also have the same rights. He spoke about how he spiritually invested in the life of the believers and therefore they had the right to respond through material blessings. He spoke about the example of Peter and Apollos. And he said, if you have supported them, then why not me? Because I have invested in your life. He spoke about the example of the Old Testament priest. He spoke about their ritualistic behavior of going to the temple and seeing what is happening there. And if you know what is happening in the temple, then if the Lord teaches as to how the Levitical priest should be taken care of, what about you and me? And then he also talks about the great example and the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he, the Lord himself said, don't prepare for yourself, go forth, and I will use my people to take care of the needs of the people. Now that we've studied these principles taught by Apostle Paul, I want to make two important applications. So I want you to listen very carefully to me. Number one, I want to take a moment and talk to all of us who are in full-time in Calvary Bible Fellowship. And number two, I want to talk to all of us who are born-again believers in the Church of God. To all of us who are born-again to all of us who are in full-time ministry with Calvary Bible Fellowship, Just because we know that the church is supporting us does not mean that we sit at home and we relax and wait for our paycheck to come every month. I think all of us, servants of the Lord, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but I'm asking all of us who are in full-time and those of us who are willing to step into full-time to understand that we must work hard for the Lord. Even though Apostle Paul says that the servants of the Lord must must be taken care of, he says that every worker deserves his wages. Did we look at that? And therefore, you and I who are in full-time ministry, we need to ask ourselves, do I deserve the wage that Calvary Bible Fellowship is giving me? Do I minister unto the Lord in a way that I am fitting enough to receive the support that comes from the church? Because I know that there are so many of you who work so hard and you give unto the Lord out of what the Lord has given you. And I am accountable to the money that comes to me from the church. To all of us born again believers, because we are supported by the church, that is not our motivation for ministry. You get what I'm trying to say? And for those of you who are willing to step into ministry, don't get into ministry thinking of the material support that should come. Because that is not the motivation for ministry. Let me give you three simple principles that we who are in full-time today and for those of us who are having a desire should keep in our mind. Number one, listen carefully. All full-time workers must be willing to suffer for the cross because ministry is not easy. All full-time workers must be willing to suffer for the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 4, Apostle Paul talks about this. He says, the minister of the word must be willing to pay the price for the gospel. And if all of us who are in full-time are living comfortable lives today, I think you and I need to go back and we need to check. I'm not saying that we need to go out and suffer, but we should have the willingness to suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, all full-time workers must only desire the glory that comes from God and not that comes from man. All full-time workers must desire the glory that comes from God and not that comes from man. Can we just read one verse in relation to that? First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 6. Can somebody read that verse for me? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 6. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 6. Therefore, no. as you Christ Jesus the Lord, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. And verse 6. They were not looking for praise from man, okay. Not from you or anyone else. Hmm. Yeah, continue. As yeah, if we were looking for the praise from men, then we become a burden to you. And thus, therefore, all of us who are in full time, I want to encourage us. We need to completely wholeheartedly only focus on the glory that comes from God. Into the glory that is given unto the Lord. And not the praise and the material blessings that come from man. If there is anybody who steps into full-time ministry desiring to get the praise from men. Desiring to get appreciation from men. I'm telling you that your ministry, our ministry will never be fulfilled. I remember when I was 17 years old that was the age when I committed my life to full-time ministry. I remember the decision I made when I was 17, and I remember it was not an easy decision to make. I remember the support that I never received, the encouragement I never received, because people said that I'm too young, and maybe it was an emotional trigger. And it's been 16 years today, and I can tell you that ministry has not been easy. It's not been easy at all. There were times that I know that I have often looked for the praise of men, And I know that I have suffered at those times. But I am also learning today. And I want to encourage all of us who are in full-time ministry. I want to encourage all of us to continue to look at the glory that comes from God. Let us never look at the praise of man. Because there is nobody perfect. Because man will never think about somebody else. They will only think about themselves. And if there is anybody sitting here who is having a desire for full-time ministry, I want to encourage you from my own experience. That when you make a decision to enter into full-time ministry, always desire to look to the face of the Lord. A full-time worker must be willing to suffer for his name. A full-time worker must desire the glory that comes from God and not man. Number three, a full-time worker must live a disciplined and a hard-working life. A full-time worker must be willing to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 27. Look at what Apostle Paul says. He says, no, I beat my body, I make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. There are are so many full-time workers, not here, but there are so many full-time workers in the world who sit at home and who just desire to get the support from man. They are not even willing to go out and minister for the Lord. And that is scripturally wrong. All full-time workers need to be hardworking. All full-time workers need to be disciplined. All the people who have committed their time into the service of the Lord must dedicate their time every single day according to what the wisdom the Lord has given to you to use it for His glory and for His honor. You know that songwriter, he says, right? And you can, you can say it along with me. He says, let me labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all this wonders love and care and when all on life is over and my work on earth is done and when the role is called up yonder i'll be there and when i stand in the presence of the lord the lord will ask me an account of what i have done for the lord as a full-time worker of his word for those of us who are in full-time let's recommit our ministry unto the lord and say lord am i willing to suffer for his name Lord, have I recently run behind the glory that comes from man? Have I forgotten to look upon, uh, uh, unto your face completely to seek your glory alone? Lord, I pray that I would be a disciplined, a hardworking servant of the Lord. That I would not be casual with my time. That I would not waste my time. But I would be so careful with how I live my life as a minister of the Lord. Now, to us born-again believers, I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk to you. And I want to encourage you to be a giving Christian. I want you to be willing to open your purse. I want you to be willing to give out. You know, when you give out out of the plenty that you have, that doesn't actually mean anything, right? But when you give out till you feel the pinch, that's where you understand what the value of giving actually really means. And do we give like that? Do we give unto the Lord... Until the very last penny. I remember once when I was teaching in the Bible College in Bhopal, and uh, the classroom where we were, uh, the classroom that I was teaching in, was directly uh, facing the kitchen, and the cook in that kitchen was uh, an unbeliever, and uh, he's been working in that kitchen for I don't know for how many years, so he's seen the process of how people come, teach, and then they go, and he's also seen as to when they when they finish their course there as to the principal of the Bible college would give an envelope to that servant of the Lord. And he's noticing all of these things, and he's an unbeliever. And what he used to do, not only with my class, but with all the teachers who come there, he would leave his kitchen door open, and he would cook, and he would listen to all the lessons that was taught in the Bible college. And I remember once when I went and visited there, and I would notice him uh, listening very carefully to the classes that was being taught. And at the end, when everything got done, and when I was about to leave, this servant, uh, this person came up to me, and he... He put a 20 rupee note in my, in my hand. And I said, wow. And he thought I felt bad that it was only 20 rupees. He said, no, sir, this is for you to buy Pepsi when you go to the train station. And that meant a lot to me. That meant a lot. And I told him, I said, this is much more than anything that I have ever got. 20 rupees. Because for me, for us, probably 20 rupees doesn't mean much. But imagine how much it means for him, right? Can we give unto the Lord like that, my dear brothers and sisters? Can we motivate ourselves and open up our purses and our hearts and give unto the Lord to those who are struggling? If you ask me, I can give you a list of ten names of classmates that studied with me that today have no support and are struggling. They don't even have a roof over their head and they have no absolute idea where their support will actually come from. And they minister for the Lord faithfully. So how should we as believers give? I want, to, I want us to read a verse, a very important verse in the gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Look at what he says there, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And I love the phrase that the Lord Jesus uses. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. To be seen by them, if you do, you will have no reward from your father in, in heaven. When you and I give, let us not think that these acts of righteousness should be seen by 10 people. And if 10 people see what I give, that is not something that our Father in heaven like. Look at what he continues to say. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Another verse that is very well known to us is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You don't need to turn there. There it very clearly says, uh, the Lord loves a, louder, a, a cheerful giver. Someone who wholeheartedly says, Lord, this money that is given to me by my parents, yes, I can use it for this and that, but Lord, I want to give this money unto the Lord. You know, brothers and sisters, you and I need to be careful. You and I should not just just casually put in the money into the offering and say that our work is done. No, you and I need to be prepared. Every Sunday morning as we prepare our heart for worship, as it says in First Corinthians chapter 16, on the first day of the week, everybody, according to his income, must keep a sum aside. And that's what the word of God clearly states. And if there's any of us who've kept aside the money that we were supposed to give unto the Lord, you and I are thieves who steal from the Lord and do not give. What the Lord has given us to be given to those that are ministering for his word. And that's what Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about how a minister of the Lord needs to be served. How do we serve the servants of the Lord? Do we hold them in high regard? Do we pray for them? Do we know the needs of those that are there in our church who are in full-time ministry? Do we take time to pray for them? Visit them? encourage them from the word take them out do fun stuff with them do we pray for them do we, do we sit with them and talk to them And do we even ask them what have you done during the week those of us who are in full time ministry are we hard working let's continue to press on Not that we've reached our goal, but until the coming of the Lord or till death takes us away, let us hold on, let us press on, let us minister, let us suffer. We keep seeing videos of how suffering is happening all around India and I'm very sure it's going to come to Bangalore as well and we must be willing to suffer for the cause of the gospel. What about us born again believers? Before we pray and close, can I just ask each and every one of you to close your eyes and bow your head just for a minute. The only reason I'm asking you to close your eyes and bow your head is so that you will not be distracted by anything that's happening in and around you. But as you close your eyes, please don't doze off. Just take a few minutes and I want you to examine the condition of your heart. You know, when we talk about giving, the best example for that is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we were born as sinners, when we were born in a wretched, sinful state, the Lord Jesus gave us his best. And that was his complete life. And to all of us who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, he desires that we, his children, do the same. There are those who serve the Lord full time in our church and I thank and I praise God for every one of them. But do we pray for them? Do we mentor them? Do we spend time? Do we know what their needs are? Do we take time out of our busy schedules and do we ask them, brother, sister, Thank you for your ministry in the church. How is it that I can support and pray for you? Brothers and sisters, do we prepare our hearts when we come on Sundays to support the ministry of the Lord? Or do we feel that me putting a note into the offering bag is all that I am required to do? Is there anything that we have held back? Then let us take this moment to confess and ask the Lord to forgive us. Those of us who are in full time, shall we minister, shall we labor because the harvest is truly plentiful? There are so many yet to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us continue, not looking at the face of man or desiring the glory that comes from man, but the glory that will be given to us on that day. And brothers and sisters, it is okay for us to feel alone. It is okay for us to feel left out. It is okay for us to feel, uh, for, uh, to feel neglected. Because no matter what we do on the earth, the Lord, our Father in heaven, He knows, He understands, and He will reward I'm going to pray and close, but before I pray, I want to give you a few seconds to pray whatever is there in your heart. Place it before the Lord. Ask Him to make you a cheerful giver. Give unto the Lord. And we will, and we will pray and close. <coughs> Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you that you gave us the greatest gift and that was your only begotten Son. There was nothing in us, Lord. There was nothing in us that deserved your sacrifice for us. But still, you loved wretched sinners like us. We thank you, we praise you, we glorify your precious name. Father, teach us to be giving Christians. Lord, even us who are in full time, enable us also to set aside our amount and give unto the Lord. Lord, enable us to understand that all the material blessings come from you and we have no authority over it, Father. Father, if there is idol worship in our life and if we have coveted over these material things, we ask you to forgive us, but teach us to give. Give until we feel the pinch. Enable us to learn to give to the Lord first before we even do anything else. Open our eyes to see those that are suffering. Open our eyes to be be helpful to those who minister for the word. Thank you for our elders who are hardworking at preaching and teaching. And enable us to be willing to open our hearts to meet the needs of those that are suffering and that are struggling. Enable us to be willing to suffer for the name of the Lord and enable us to be hardworking servants. Lord, we are weak, but we believe you can make us strong. We are poor and we pray that you'll make us rich. We thank you for all your blessings in Christ. Father Lord, if you are to return today, it will be a joy for us. We will stand in your presence and we will see you face to face. But if you are to tarry for one more day, one more week, we pray in the light of what we've heard, that each of us would examine our lives, that each of us would be cheerful in our giving of praise and worship to you and in our giving of our material blessings to the people of God. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus Christ's holy precious name, we ask and we pray. Thank you, Jobin.